Welcome to the Utah Hypothecapalians, a podcast of the Diocese of Utah, where we examine our unusual church in this unusual land of Utah. And it's a chance to get together and talk about some of the things that aren't just necessarily Episcopalian, but things that offer a insight into seasons, which is what we're going to do today, and other subjects in the church. But again, back to seasons, and this is the season of Lent, and it's misunderstood like so many of them. And of course, our guest to strengthen our knowledge of this and to straighten it all out <laughs> is the uh, Dean and Rector of the Cathedral Church of St. Mark, the very Reverend Tyler Doherty. Welcome. I'm Craig Worth of the Diocese, and let's get into Lent before we give up podcasting <laughs> for Lent. Lent is, I think, probably just what I've said. Most people say, well, it's time you give up chocolate or you right. give up some bad habit you might have. But it's far more than that. Let's go back to why Lent. Well, I mean, Lent, why Lent is because Jesus says, follow me. Uh, come and see. And there's usually a bunch of stuff that gets in the way of us. Um, freely and fully following after him. Um, and so there's a, it's the, the, the process of uh, winnowing or letting go is uh, meant to free us up to make that journey uh, into and with Christ. Yeah. And it's 40 days, which corresponds in three of the four Gospels, yep. discuss um, the, all but Gospel of John discusses the 40 days as a very significant part of Jesus' ministry in praying, and um, in some there's the temptation of Satan. There's yeah. all kinds of uh, points. Is this a something that's happened to Lent, or is that part of the original season that that forty days, which corresponds with the time of Lent, that we do our own journey in the desert? Yeah, and of course it goes back to the story of the people of Israel uh, who spent uh, 40 years in the desert. So there's a direct echo of that wilderness time. Um, but if you think of the, the people of Israel, you know, they're living under Pharaoh uh, in slavery. Um, and they make this journey through the Red Sea into freedom. And it takes them about 40 years to figure out what freedom actually means, right? And to be constituted uh, as a people uh, who can um, care for the widow, the orphan, the stranger, the alien in the land, all that. Um, so the, the desert time is actually a time of uh, sort of consolidating and reclaiming an identity, not as um, slaves under Pharaoh, but as a people who uh, live sort of transparently to the will of God. And that's you know, the same thing for, for us. I mean, that's what the, the 40 days of Lent are, are a time to, in a way, claim the, the freedom that has been gifted to us uh, in Christ, recognize the places where we're, we're stuck and not free, and then s and to step into the, uh, the freedom of our, our calling, you know. Um, I find it um, interesting that, of course, again, we apply where we are today uh, in Utah, most of our listeners are in Utah, 
Uh, but we look at, at where we are today, uh, going to the desert is a pleasant experience. Going to the desert is something, particularly as spring comes on, it's the best time to be in the desert. Mm -hmm. It's in bloom, it's beautiful. Uh, and, and for those of us who have been fortunate enough to being on the Judea desert and to, have, to stand out there, there is no, nothing as barren <laughs> as that. There is really, uh, I guess there's beauty in all of God's land, but uh, it's pretty hard to find right. out there. It's, it's very, almost like cement. If you could imagine being in a mm. parking lot that stretches mm. from Jericho to Jerusalem, mm. that would be the Judea desert. It's, it's just really not attractive, uh, if you want to use those words. So in Lent, we tend to sometimes think that we are going to have to go through observation where we fast, where we uh, eat food that isn't normally as tasteful as, as it's going to be. At, at times we even hit a point where we eat salty foods. Is, is that necessary in Lent that we uh, almost disfigure ourselves as the Bible sometimes indicates to really observe Lent or do you see it um, any, any other way? Well, I mean, there's a certain way that um, self-castigation, taking on the identity as really penitent, uh, whipping ourselves, starving ourselves, actually uh, reinforces the very thing that we're, that we're trying to let go of, right? The sort of self at the center of the picture. We've just traded the, you know, this, we have a, a new identity as the, the true penitent uh, at the center of things rather than whatever that was there before. So the, the Lenten journey is really about a sort of radical um, reorientation of um, where we're looking for happiness, I think. Um, Thomas Keating of Blessed Memory, the Trappist monk, uh, used to say, you know, one way to understand metanoia, right, repentance, is to change the direction uh, you're looking for happiness. And if you're a human being with a thinking brain, uh, we normally look for happiness and uh, power and control, safety and security, uh, affection and esteem. And the only trouble with trying to find uh, lasting uh, happiness in any of those areas uh, is that it never works, but only 100% um, of the time. And so the, <laughs> the, the, the journey of Lent is, you could say, learning where to look for the happiness that's been uh, already poured into our hearts uh, through the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's interesting, you brought up those temptations. The, the temptations in the desert actually correspond to those worldly ways of, of looking for or securing uh, our identity, you know, um, in, in power and control and affection and esteem and, inter you know, Safety and security. Turn these stones into bread, you know, uh, so you'll have you'll have enough to eat forever. Um, Jesus says, quote scripture back to Satan, uh, and um, says, "No, that's that's not who I am, and, and that's not um, where uh, I locate the true source of my uh, being, which is in God, obviously." So you've you've given us a different look at what. Lent should be, mm -hmm. or what it is actually. Mm -hmm. I mean, not what it should be, but what it is. Mm -hmm. And how should we then observe 
Lent, um, because I know we, we've spent so much time uh, observing it by saying, okay, what are you going to give up? What are you going mm -hmm. to fast? You're not going to have flowers in the church. I mean, we do a little bit of that collectively, you sure. got to say, yeah, where yeah. We, we bring out the wormwood um, elements. We uh, have no flowers in the church. We, our music takes on a dreary nature, no offense to the choir <laughs> at St. Mark's, which is beautiful, but it, it, this somber and dignified. Somber is what and they dignified. Would say, There's yes. a good way to say it, <laughs> rather than dreary and dark. Let's use somber and dignified. But what should we do? How should we properly observe Lent then, if we're not here to just see how miserable we can make ourselves? Right, and you know the old joke, like when you see somebody during Lent, and you see, when you say goodbye, you say, "Have a miserable Lent," you know. Um, but I mean, there is something to that old wisdom of giving something up. I mean. There, I mean, uh, these days, uh, I don't think that, you know, giving up uh, bonbons after dinner is going to, you know, open your heart and, you know, transform your life. But certainly um, taking a careful look at how much screen time we have on, on our cell phone um, uh, would, might be a, a productive th thing to do. And then to ponder what you might put in uh, the place of that uh, empty space, you know, maybe... Um, spending more time um, reading scripture or, um, you know, volunteering at a food bank or something. So I normally counsel, like, you know, give up one thing that's uh, would actually change the way you move through your life and uh, uh, take on a, a practice or a discipline. So, I mean, there is some wisdom to that. Um, the, the bigger thing, though, uh, I think is... You know, um, in a culture like ours where everybody is so busy and rushing around all the time, uh, I think the, the tendency for us is to get wrapped up uh, into uh, being human doings, not human beings. Um, and so um, one way to approach the fast and one way to enter into the desert um, would be just to build in a little bit of time of, um, you know, silence and stillness in, into our into our daily life. You know, um, prayer not so much as um, saying prayers, um, chattering away, um, but making a little space in our lives for God to get at us. Um, and so. Um, you know, fasting from doing <laughs> and allowing ourselves uh, just to be um, and, and coupling that with, you know, a uh, reflective look at how we spend or waste our time, uh, I think could be a way of kind of uh, reconnecting with the, the God who's always present. Um, it's we who are not present. We're absent. We're thinking about the future. We're uh, dwelling on the past, and then we, you know, find ourselves feeling burned out and tired. And um, one of my favorite pictures, I, I brought it in, but um, it's a very curious picture of a, this uh, English painter called Stanley Spencer, and it says, it's Christ in the Wilderness. Christ in the Wilderness, colon, uh, consider, consider the lilies. Uh, and so it's this picture of a big 
half-naked, burly Jesus on his hands and knees with a beard. He looks kind of like a large baby. Uh, and uh, he's on his hands, his hands and knees, and he's staring at these lilies mm. with a huge smile on his face. Uh, and, you know, that might be a good, you know, uh, painting to check out to sort of set our intention for Lent because what it's doing is calling us to actually be present, attentive, aware, uh, expectant that God is indeed in this place, right? Uh, and that, that little discipline of, you know, being here uh, in and with God, I think, is, uh, has the potential to be a really transformative kind of 40-day practice. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess kind of what you talked about um, reminds me that uh, my brother is a priest, and he uh, often observes Lent by having people look at not what they're giving up, but how lucky they are with what they have, yeah. and count how many light bulbs they have in their <laughs> house, in an American house, and then think of the people that are surviving with in poverty tonight with no light bulbs, no house, and then uh, do something, contribute a percentage of your good wishes and your good uh, graces and your money uh, by the number of light bulbs and to like ERD, which is uh, right. our uh, arm, the Episcopal Relief and Development that helps those who have just been victims of storms and things like that, that it's a time to really reflect on how how blessed we are and how uh, we need to do the Lord's work. Um, let's talk a little bit also about Lent as um, a season in the church. It starts following a very unusual day, Shrove Tuesday, which <laughs> means pancakes. And means, Sugar and uh, pancakes. Yeah. yeah. And, and then goes into that next day, Ash Wednesday, mm -hmm. where I know we have stories of people, they walk around and somebody says, uh, you have a smudge on your mm -hmm. um, your forehead, and and it, it starts with that matter and goes in it. So let's, let's start with um, Shrove Tuesday into Ash Wednesday, why we're walking around with smudges kind of in the shape of a cross, mm -hmm. and then what happens in Lent. And I know there's confusion as to when does it end, and but that's not really necessary. Of does it end on Monday, Thursday? Does it end on Saturday? Does right. Are Sundays included? Oh, mm -hmm. my goodness. But let's just start where it starts, with Ash Wednesday and following Shrove Tuesday, which prepares us for Ash Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the, the sort of medieval carnival uh, where you would have a, a big sort of celebration blowout before you went into the desert. Um, and we do that at the, we observe that at the cathedral. And then, you know, the immediately following the next morning, we have three services on the Ash Wednesday, 7 a.m., noon, and 7 p.m. And, you know, the, I mean, the, when we make the sign of the cross uh, in the burnt palms uh, uh, from the year before at Palm Sunday, uh, when, we, when we place that cross on people's foreheads, the, the words we say are, you know, remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And, um, you know, I think 
one of the reasons why Ash Wednesday is one of the most attended services uh, of any time of the year is because it is a striking and powerful um, reminder of our mortality. Um, it doesn't really matter what political party you belong to, <laughs> whether you're black or white, rich or poor. Uh, somewhere deep down, uh, we all know that we have you know, but a short span of days allotted to us uh, on this earth. And Ash Wednesday, uh, when, when that cross is, the sign of the cross is made on our foreheads, it's a reminder uh, for us to really center ourselves on what is life-giving and important. You know, uh, it's like when people that you joke with when you when you're on your deathbed and you look back on your life, nobody's going to say, "Gee, I wish I worked more." You know, <laughs> did I live a did did I live a life of meaning, purpose, depth? You know, uh, did my life uh, reflect something of the love I received from God? Right. Um. So Ash Wednesday is that call to um, let go of everything that gets in the way of, of love and to let that love uh, work in us, you know, to transfigure us that we can then uh, be that love um, in the world. And then really the season of Lent is the recognition that um, you can't do this all at once. <laughs> you know, if it took the Israelites 40 years <laughs> to sort of get it, right, uh, it's going to take us at least uh, 40 days a year over a lifetime to really integrate that uh, into our lives. Um, um, but the, again, the, the purpose of all of that uh, is to bring us to fullness of life, right? Remember, like um, Irenaeus of Lyon, who said it's the, the glory of God is the human being fully alive. The glory of God is not a human being walking around you know, with a miserable look on their face you know, beating themselves up. Uh, so all of those practices in Lent are, are meant to bring us to the, the full stature of our calling as human beings, the, the, uh, the, which is the, the human being fully alive, right, in every way. And that takes time over the years, and that's, so this, the season kind of keeps revisiting the ways we, you know, tend to hang ourselves up and encourage us to you're listening to the Utah Talks of Aliens with the very Reverend Tyler Doherty, who is the Dean of the Episcopal Cathedral, St. Mark's Cathedral, and of course it's a wonderful place to experience Lent, and then as you go into Easter, my goodness, if you've gone through Lent, and then <laughs> when Easter comes and you're at St. Mark's Cathedral, it is spectacular, beautiful, it is really uh, uh, a moving experience, so I recommend that highly. Mm. Not that we want to skip over Lent, but no. <laughs> I recommend that um, you you go to Lent, you observe, you prepare, and then you see that beautiful Easter vigil and the uh, Easter service. Let's go back to Ash Wednesday. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that's happened to Ash Wednesday is that it's developed a new popularity of ashes to go and people getting ashes on street corners and all that. Um, I don't know, how do you feel about that? I mean, because we're, we're kind of just momentarily doing a Lent and, and I mean, we're all, I, I'm sure, encouraging that people participate in, in the lessons of the Lord, but do we miss something if that's what our Lent is, is that we go get ashes on a street corner from uh, 
a cleric standing out there with a little bucket of ashes. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty traditional in this regard. I, I'm, I, have, I have to say um, the ashes to go, I always thought, um, the, I mean, the argument for is that it's um, the church outside the walls and that we're taking the church to the people and meeting them uh, where they're at. Um, and that would make sense to me if the entire uh, Ash Wednesday liturgy were uh, conducted at the, the top of the stairs to a subway or something like that or on a train platform. Um, but without hearing the call to repentance, without hearing the scriptures read, um, without um, confessing our own sins, um, it's hard for me to... Um, really understand how uh, ashes impressed on our foreheads with the words, you know, remember you are dust and to dust you shall return, um, how that can be a necessarily sort of transformative experience. Um, but I realize I'm kind of a curmudgeon in that way, and there's people, lots of people who don't think like I do, but I kind of tend to be more along your lines, uh, Craig, where you want to take the church outside the walls. Like, I'm not sure leading with ashes is what I would lead with. <laughs> I might yeah. lead, lead with, you know, do some street preaching uh, and, and a Eucharist and tell everybody that they're loved. You know, um, not sure I would lead with the dust thing. But uh, <laughs> well, and that's the wonderful thing about the Episcopal Church yeah. is that um, uh, a a view of that is every bit as appropriate as mm -hmm. somebody that does it. I would tend to go with um, uh, a belief that maybe take uh, Lent and, and do something outreach that you normally don't do. Um, do something that shows that, uh, or not shows because it isn't up to you to show, well, mm -hmm. I'm religious, but yeah. it's up to you to try to manifest, yeah. yes, the uh, glory of God and, mm -hmm. and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And, and of course, I'm not ordained, I'm a lay person, mm -hmm. but again, the, we should make it always clear that the beauty of the Episcopal Church is, this isn't just you telling me what to do as a cleric mm -hmm. telling a member of the laity. And in fact, in our church structure, you have a vestry that often tells you what to do. Mm -hmm. Not what to do theologically, but what to do in um, practice of the church. So. That's always good to in these podcasts to let people know that this is not a church where you have been assigned to the cathedral with um, all the power in the world mm -hmm. that um, you were selected, elected, mm -hmm. and you serve the cathedral and a vestry uh, and uh, that reveres your, um, your theological expertise. So uh, opinions are always mm -hmm. um, accepted and are legitimate in the Episcopal Church. Okay, we've got one day into Lent now. <laughs> we have 39 to go, and unfortunately, we don't have uh, all that time to... I'll, I'll uh, just say one, yeah. one thing about the, the, the purpose of fasting. You remember if you were in church on Sunday, um, Isaiah had those rather stinging lines about, is this the fast I chose? You fast, but you, uh, you don't pay your workers. You fast, but you, don't, you hide yourself away from your your kin, uh, you fast and you quarrel amongst each other. Um, it's easy for Lent to become a individual, personal performance, right? Uh, and um, 
that's really missing the true spirit of, of all of that because uh, fasting, however we conceive of that, is always meant uh, to free us up from something that has bound us, uh, but it frees us from in order uh, that we uh, can go out and serve others, right? There's a freedom to that comes with that freedom from, and the freedom to is always uh, loving service to the, the last, the least, the lost, and the left behind. Um, to be like, what is it, repairers of the roads, restorers of the breach, rebuilders, and all that. Mm -hmm. um, so um, that's the, I think, as we're entering that Lenten season, remembering that um, fasting is meant to free us up to be of more service to others, to be more transparent to God's love, that we can be that love for others. That's the, that's the real thing to keep in mind. Yeah, Isaiah is not who you want to read if you want to escape. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, here I am, Lord, take yeah. me. I mean, this is not. <laughs> right. But that's what Lent, it, it really is. Here I am, Lord, mm -hmm. isn't it, in mm -hmm. many ways. Yeah. And as Jesus on the desert, here I am to his Father. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Here yeah. I am. And, and, the, and the whole time he's ministered to by angels, right? Yes. So and, even when we're feeling like it's a little rough, that God is with us, near us, and upholding us through the whole thing. Um, going back to a comment you made, and, and you said it in jest, but it is, have a miserable Lent. Uh, you know, where we're going with this, and, and all that you've told, it's very comforting that this is not a miserable season. There is a reason, of course, in Jesus' life. Um, Jesus is preparing for an eventual end that... Um, uh, we don't know the story at the time that there would be the resurrection. Jesus knew, but certainly the uh, mortals around Jesus didn't. Um, is that kind of where you want us as your uh, churchgoers sitting on the pews to also go that um, we kind of got to for a moment suspend that there's going to be the resurrection? and just kind of go through where we are? Or should we always have Easter in sight? Yeah, I mean, that's one of those questions, like can you preach Good Friday from you know, this side of the cross and, yeah. and all that? Um, I don't, I'm not totally sure that we can bracket out the reality of the, the resurrection um, um, if all things came into being through him. You know? How do you bracket out the universal Christ? Um, but, I mean, certainly approaching Lent with a little bit of um, epistemic humility, <laughs> say, uh, and unknowingness, and stepping out uh, away from what is comfortable and, and, and into uh, the unknown, uh, and encountering God as God is and not how we want God to be. Um, that is definitely a part of stepping into the wilderness and the desert, right? Letting go of all the props and, and seeing sort of uh, what God wants to do with us. I mean, that's, that's definitely uh, a big part of what we're called to in the Lenten journey. In Lent, um, I have to tell you something, and maybe you can offer advice, and it could be the same thing that I think a lot of people feel. I'll be at the cathedral or another one of our fine churches uh, and I will see a visitor, and it will be during Lent. Mm. 
And I feel a necessity almost to say, okay, this isn't really this church. I mean, yeah. the church that you've just looked at, the church with the uh, uh, no flowers, mm. the church where the choir is singing dignified, your words, <laughs> or um, really slow song. Mm -hmm. And the, the whole litany at the beginning, which has, you mm -hmm. know, goes on for a long time. I find myself saying, okay, you know, hang around in, in, in a month, it's gonna be a lot better. And that's probably the really the wrong thing to be saying, right? How do we, how do we introduce Lent? It's, it's a very tough season. And I think that's a good way to kind of um, end this. It, it, it really tells us who Lent is. What should we be telling somebody who says, you know, this is interesting. I think I'll go to the cathedral and it's a Lenten service. Mm -hmm. what, uh, should we say, oh, it's going to get better, or should we say where where we are? How do we we sell Lent? Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, I mean, I think all you have to do is take a look around at the world, and uh, it's pretty obvious that there's a need for repentance. It, it's pretty obvious that um, that the the last, the least, and the the lost and the left behind are are being oppressed, right? People are fasting, but they're not paying their workers and all that. And so, you know, um, I think in a, in a world of, of hype and spin, there is a, a plain-spoken honesty about uh, both Ash Wednesday, you are dust, uh, and the season of Lent, that the world is not okay, <laughs> that we are in many ways in pretty dark times. Uh, and that we need God's help to show us out of that. I think not shying away from that truth-telling and naming uh, is really important part of the church uh, because otherwise we just become these sort of happy, clappy Christians who have to kind of live in a perpetual Easter Sunday. You know, and people will sometimes say to me, like, oh, Episcopalians are Easter Sunday people. And I always come back and say, well, we're also Maundy Thursday people. We get fed at the table and we wash each other's feet. We're also Good Friday people where we see the, the cost of scapegoating others. Uh, we're also, you know, Easter Vigil people. You know, we're also, um, I'd be wary of wanting to sort of narrow down the full scope of human experience, you know, just so that it conforms to some kind of Disney picture of, you know, Sunday morning uh, because uh, the human being fully alive means uh, all parts of us fully alive, not just the happy, clappy bits, you know. I think a fascinating discussion and a great place to end it. And uh, you've brought an insight into Lent that uh, isn't often done once we get past the what are you giving up for Lent type um, uh, deal. And of course, in some, it's they give up church for Lent. And we <laughs> certainly don't want that. But um, I thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Our guest, the very Reverend Tyler Doherty of the Cathedral Church of St. Mark, and I'm Craig Worth of the Diocese, and this has been All About Lent on the Utah Epoch Capellians. Thanks for listening.